feel a little bit like I'm attending my own funeral. <laughs> uh, what a thing to get to hear such nice things said about you. Uh, maybe everybody should have their funeral before they die and get to hear nice things like that and so forth. But yeah, as I, I was thinking that, uh, thought crossed my mind. A lot of times we refer to funerals as a celebration of life. And you know what? Today's a celebration of life. Uh, it's a celebration of, thank God, a celebration of, of my life. God led me years ago to invest my life in the lives of other people. And for the last 29 years, it's been here, invested in, in, in you folks. And, and God has blessed in an amazing, amazing fashion. We've seen people come to know Christ. We've seen people grow in their walk with the Lord. We've seen folks from this congregation go to other places of the world to be involved in reaching out for Christ. Uh, we saw the Lord enable us to build this auditorium here. And man, in, in eight years' time, to burn a mortgage. That doesn't happen. God does that. And God did that through generosity and sacrificial giving of his people here. And, and we could go on and on, and it's not my intention to, to do that, either to go on and on or, or to go on and on talking about uh, all the wonderful things we've experienced over the years. But, uh, you know, when you, you get to this point and you have questions about, okay, what do I preach on for my last sermon? here at First Baptist Church. I, I was kind of hoping it was going to work out so that I would finish up Romans chapter 16 today. And then, hey, it's taken care of. I'm just doing the exposition of God's Word. We wrap it up. Well, it didn't. We finished it last week. <laughs> and uh, so what do we do? Do you, do you ignore the fact that this is the last sermon, or do you acknowledge that? And, and, and just what do, you, what do you do? What do you do? And Jerry White actually helped me. Uh, a little bit. He didn't. He doesn't know this, but uh, after I announced that I was going to be retiring uh, a little over a year, I don't know, 13, 14 months ago, whenever it was, uh, he came to me and he said, um, hey, when I get on the music schedule, is there anything you'd like me to sing? And uh, so I, uh, I said, man, I like everything, everything you do. Uh, but I think I did throw out a couple of, of suggestions. In the last uh, winter down in Florida, I heard a song called All My Hope Is In Jesus by David Crowder. And I said, hey, Jerry, that'd, that'd be a good, but I'm not sure if that's your, your comfort zone, your, your range. What's that, Jerry? I can't. He can't do David Crowder. Okay. <laughs> Anyhow, we talked about that, and so he said, uh, he had been asked to sing for this morning. He said, uh, how about if I do... Oh, Sinner saved by grace. He said, to him, he said, that, that's always been the theme of your ministry here, is grace, the grace of God. And I thought, oh, man, that'd be great. Thank you for singing that. Praise God. Thank God for all the great music here this morning. Uh, wonderful thing. But the thought went through my mind, it, he gets it. <laughs> that is the theme of my ministry. That's what it's all about. That's what the good news is. The, the good news is the gospel, and the gospel is the gospel of grace that we can have something we don't deserve. Everybody in this auditorium this morning is a sinner, but there's two kinds of sinners. 
There are sinners that have repented of their sin and experienced the grace of God. And even though we don't deserve it, we have experienced the forgiveness of Jesus Christ. And we are today forgiven sinners on our way to heaven. Sadly, there may also be others in this auditorium where you've never repented of your sin. You haven't acknowledged the fact that you're a sinner. You've never looked to Jesus and him alone to be your Savior. And and sadly, you're still in your sins. Your sins aren't forgiven. And I'd be the first one to tell you this morning, I'm not perfect. I'm just forgiven. You know, I like that. I'm just forgiven. But forgiven by what the Lord Jesus did for me. So I said, we're going to talk about grace this morning. And you start thinking about grace, and and one of the first passages that pops into my mind is Ephesians chapter 2, 8, and 9, and 10, where where we're told that by what? By grace, we're saved through faith. Wow, there there it is. That's what salvation's all about. God gives us something we don't deserve. So we're going to briefly look over this. Nobody opened that window, did they, over there to let that smell of the pig roast come in here, but... But uh, we'll acknowledge the time here. But we want to explain, explain a little bit of what grace is all about. Talk about grace being experienced, enjoyed, expressed. And, and the amazing thing about grace is that when God saves sinners by his grace, God shows something about himself that couldn't be known any other way. That he is a God of grace. He is a God who forgives. He is a God who forgives people that don't deserve it. First thing is... We start thinking about grace. Well, what is, what's grace? Well, it's mentioned in verses 5, 7, and 8 here in, in uh, chapter 2 of Ephesians. It gives it in parentheses, and the end of verse 5 says, By grace you've been saved. Go down to verse, verse 8, and we find that statement is by grace that we're saved through faith. Uh, we find it spelled out beautifully for us in this passage of Scripture. Grace is an important term. It's found 128 times in the New Testament. 20 times in the book of Romans, by the way. Uh, important New Testament theme. 20 more times in the Old Testament. And grace is goodwill, favor, loving kindness. And when we think about grace being shown to fallen men, it is God's undeserved favor Goodwill shown to us. Tell you what, as a created being, the most important thing for you and me today is that we be in God's grace, in God's good graces, that we find favor with God. It doesn't matter nearly as much that we find favor with each other, that we find favor with God. One of these days we'll stand before God, and the only thing that's going to matter is what's God think about us? We may get the acclaim of people, but what do, what's God's evaluation? What does he think? Are, are we acceptable to him? And the good news is, by grace, we can be acceptable to God. God's grace demonstrated to us through the person of the Lord Jesus Christ who died to take our sin upon himself so that we could be forgiven. God is also a God of holiness. He can't just forget about sin. He has to deal with sin. He can't just sweep it under the rug. He didn't just forget about our sin. He bore the penalty for our sin himself in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ on the cross of Calvary. Uh, We find that, that grace is connected with God's mercy and God's love. Grace is God giving us good that we don't deserve. Mercy is God not giving us the judgment that we do deserve. And why does God act towards us in that fashion? Well, it's because he's a God of love. 
And we talk about love, it's unconditional love. It's John 3.16 kind of love. It's agape love where it's a, a love for the person that is seeking the highest good of the one loved even when there's a cost to self. We want the best for the person that we love even when there's a price for us to pay. In John 3.16, what's it tell us there? It says, God so loved the world, that's people, that's lost sinners, that he gave his only begotten son. That's the price. He gave his only begotten son to die on the cross of Calvary so that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have what? Everlasting life. Grace is uh, connected with, with mercy and it's connected with love. And uh, we, we can thank God that he does love us. Uh, we can't fully comprehend or explain God's grace. Why would God love us that way, right? Uh, he's a holy God. We're people who rebelled against him. Why did he even bother with the human race? In fact, when you start studying the scriptures, you find out that it was actually determined before man was ever created that God the Son was going to go to the cross of Calvary and be slain in our place. I don't know about you. I think I just scrubbed the plan on the launch pad. Forget it. I'm not making a man that's going to rebel against me. It's going to cost me too much. And I'm, God's blessed me with two sons and two daughters. And man, when you think about God the Son being given by God the Father to die on the cross of Calvary, for, hey, we can't, we can't explain that. We can't understand it. We can't comprehend it. All we can do is accept it and believe it. And we find that the one thing God requires us to do, God's done it all. He offers us a finished salvation. He offers us forgiveness for all of our sins. The only thing he asks us to do is to come to the place where we express faith, where we have a trust in him. And there are three elements that stand out in, in this matter of, of saving faith. Some people minimize faith. Or are they, 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 they take it very lightly. Or they have a, a cheap idea towards faith. I, I bump into people all the time and, and ask them, okay, do you, are, are you trusting in Christ as your Savior? Oh, yeah, I believe in Jesus. Or I believe in God. And, and they think that's the faith that's going to get them into heaven. Well, faith, saving faith involves three elements. We're saved by faith in Christ alone, but it's got to be genuine saving faith. The real thing, the real deal. And the first thing that, that is part of saving faith is, is recognizing uh, that, that Christ died for my sin. It's saying, okay, I, I recognize that. I, I, that. That's a historical thing that happened. Secondly, we agree to it. Okay, I agree that that happened. That, that's not just something that, that other people talk about, but, but I agree that it happened. But then there's a third element, and here's where a lot of people fall short. They say, yeah, I believe that happened. And, and they accept that, but that's not accepting Christ. There's a third thing that comes into play, and that's the matter of commitment. Genuine faith involves commitment and entrusting of ourselves, a connection of ourselves, uh, and really, depending on Christ, entrusting him, uh, my life, my, my eternal destiny, my sins, everything I am, entrusting it all to him. You are all demonstrating faith in those pews here that you're sitting on. I'm not. You know, I, I, I'm saying, hey, I think that pew could hold me, but I'm not sitting on it. 
You think the pews can hold you, and there's a difference between your faith and my faith. You're sitting on them. I don't see anybody here clutching the pew in front of them because they're afraid the pew they're on is going to collapse. And the same it is with Christ. we got to come to a place where we, we put our trust in him. We come into a personal relationship with him. It's kind of like marriage. You know, you can believe in marriage, think it's a great institution, and, and maybe even want to do it someday, but until you come to the place where you stand before a uh, an a, a appropriate official, whether it's a pastor or a judge or a ship captain or, or whoever it might be, and he says, uh, do you, and you say, I do, and, and he said, okay, you did. So now by the, by the power vested in me, I pronounce you husband and wife. At that moment, you know what? You're married. But what, what was involved? An act of your will. You could have said, I don't. Or are you crazy? <laughs> but, but when you said, I do, you were demonstrating an act of your will verbally from what was coming in your heart. And we need to make a commitment to Christ in our heart. It's not, some, it's not what we say, but it's what we genuinely believe. But it's coming to the place where, I, man, I need a Savior. I, I, I'm in trouble. I, I'm headed for hell. I know I'm a wicked sinner, and I deserve hell, God. Thank you for sending Jesus to die for me. I'm making a mess out of my life the way that I'm living it. I need your forgiveness, and I want Christ to be my Savior. So that's the third element where commitment comes into the picture. Another thing comes into play here when it comes to this matter of of experiencing grace and responding to it is recognizing the connection between faith and works. In in this day and age, a lot of people think that, that salvation comes by works. It's what I do. I go to church. I'm kind to my neighbor. I do this. I do that. Well, I've got bad news for you if you're trusting in that this morning. Uh, that does not bring you salvation. That, that's, that's a legalism. It's depending on your, your legal standard that you set up for yourself or you think somebody else has set up for you. And we can't be saved by our works. It doesn't happen. It's not by works of righteousness that we've done, but according to God's mercy that he saves us. Because our works could never make up for where we've messed up, and we could never be perfect. If we're going to get into heaven on the base of our own works, we must be sinlessly perfect. And there's nobody here in that category. And there's never been anybody in that category except for the Lord Jesus Christ himself. Second thing is sometimes people trust in faith in Jesus plus works. I put my trust in Jesus, and then I do all these good things, and God will accept me into heaven. And I'm his child because of that. That's another false. You're bringing your own works into there, and we start bringing our own works into there. We're taken away from what God did for us. We're demonstrating pride, and we're taken away from what God did for us on the cross of Calvary. We find that uh, some people look at faith, put their faith in Jesus, And they say, well, okay, I put my faith in Jesus, and now I'm saved. And nothing happens in their life. There's no fruit. There's no change. But if you read Ephesians chapter 2, look at verses 8 and 9 and 10, where it says, for by grace you've been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It's the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. Nobody's going to strut around heaven talking about all the good things they did to get there. But note verse 10. When you trust Christ as Savior, it does matter how we live. 
and, and how we live demonstrates the reality or the falsehood of our faith. Look at verse 10. It says, for we are his workmanship, God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Somebody says, I'm trusting Jesus, but they got no interest in the Bible. They got no interest in Jesus. They've got no interest in, in doing anything to make their life count for God. I'm, I'm sorry. There's not much of a demonstration of the reality of any saving faith. On the other hand, faith in Christ alone, genuine saving faith, brings salvation. But when it brings a genuine salvation, what else does it bring? It brings works. We're not saved by our works, but we are saved to good works. Amen? Is that true? That's what salvation's all about. So that's where grace comes into the picture with faith. And I thank God that I've had the opportunity to be saved by grace in my life. I've experienced the grace of God. And I'm not saying that proudly. I'm saying it gratefully. Uh, I was a, a firstborn. And I, I'll confess to you here this morning. As a firstborn, I didn't think my parents needed any other kids. <laughs> you know, how do you improve on perfection, Right? Why they need, and, and then one day they brought my brother home. And then a couple years after that, they brought my sister home. And I, I, I got to admit, I was selfish, a little selfish. And what was, that was my sin nature demonstrating it. So, you know, in fact, what's the biggest way in which sins demonstrate? Self. You want to know what sin is? Look at the way it's spelled. I is right in the middle. S-I-N. And, but I thank God, by his grace, he saved me. He, he gave me forgiveness. He cleansed me. And what a wonderful thing that was. By grace, I was saved through faith. And then, and then God helped me to grow in my walk with him. I, I still haven't reached perfection. I never will. But, but I, I'm not what I once was. And I'm closer to what God would have us to be in becoming more like the Lord Jesus. And, and how's that coming about? It's all because of God's grace. People he's brought into my life and, and, and things that he's allowed me to learn along the way have helped me to grow in my walk with him. And then God also gave me the wonderful privilege to serve him. There in, in 1 Timothy 1, the Apostle Paul talks about the, the, the fact that he was given... Uh, that God, by his grace, counted him worthy of being put into the ministry, being, being given the opportunity to serve him, to minister for him. And I'll tell you this morning, it's the grace of God that allows me to be a, a pastor and pastor people for all these years. Nothing in and of myself. I've got to, I've got to tell you, first time I ever had an opportunity to teach was back in junior high school. And it was for a youth group at the Park Baptist Church in, in McKeesport, Pennsylvania. And I got physically ill that, that day. I mean, I was throwing up kind of ill. And I didn't, I didn't teach that lesson that night. That was my beginning of ministry. <laughs> Thank God it didn't happen when I was up in front of all the people. I think my parents eventually did make me do the report that I had come up with. The Bible report that I, that I had to put together. I, but I remember that first time I was supposed to do it, and I couldn't. Second grade, I'm in, in, in seminary. I had the opportunity to teach a Sunday school class on the book of Jonah. I covered the whole book of Jonah. 
in, in about 10 minutes. <laughs> Only problem is it was an hour class. So for the rest of the time, we just kind of sit there, look at each I was a great teacher. You could tell I was really cut out to, to be a pastor and a, a preacher and a teacher. But you know what? I, I'm an ordinary person. I've told people, I'm vanilla. <laughs> I'm vanilla. You start thinking about flavors and things like that, I'm vanilla. I'm, I'm not chocolate or butter pecan or something like that. But thank God I'm also not tutti frutti. But, <laughs> but God uses ordinary people. And I'll tell you what, I look at what God's done in our lives. And it's a testimony to what God can use. Read, I, I know we're getting close to, to time to wrap it up here, but... 1 Corinthians chapter 1. i got to read this passage of Scripture to you because it's the place where I find tremendous encouragement in, in ministry. And it's all about the kind of people that God calls, the kind of people that God uses. We find in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, starting in verse 20. It says, where's the wise? Where's the scribe? Where's the disputer of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world through wisdom did not know God, it pleased God through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. For the Jews request a sign, the Greeks seek after wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified to the Jews a stumbling block and to the Greeks foolishness. But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God because the foolishness of God is wiser than men and the weakness of God is stronger than men. For you see your calling, brethren, that not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. Here it is. God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise and God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things which are mighty. And the base things of the world and the, the things which are despised God has chosen and the things which are not to bring to nothing the things that are that no flesh should glory in his presence. And I certainly don't glory in God's presence at this point. But of, of him you are in Christ Jesus who became for us wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption that as it is written and here it is. He who glories, what? Let him glory in the Lord. To God be the glory. For anything that's happened in the last 44 years, in the last 29 years, in the last 69 years, that God's allowed me to be on this earth. It's a privilege to serve God. And I've got to tell you, the grace of God is something he wants us to enjoy. You know, we, we, I, I take from Psalm 23, this matter. You read that psalm and, and how much David tr really enjoyed having the Lord as his shepherd, the confidence he had. And when we think about David, he's a guy who knew something about the grace of God too, didn't he? David wasn't close to God because he was such a perfect man. He was a good repenter. <laughs> and, and he laid upon, laid upon God's forgiveness. And, and in, in Psalm 32, it says, Blessed is the man whose sin is for, forgiven, whose transgressions covered. And he knew something about the grace of God, and he, he and his life went on and, and tells us about the wonderful things that he mentions in Psalm 23. But as he closes out the psalm, he makes two great declarations. He says, surely goodness and mercy should follow me all the days of my life. 
and I'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever. You know, when you experience the grace of God and you live for the Lord Jesus Christ, I got to tell you, goodness and mercy will follow you all the days of your life. That, I'm a testimony to that. God has been so good to me because of his grace. I thank God for the, the parents that he allowed me to be born to. That's the grace. I didn't have anything to do with choosing them. I thank God for the, the wife that he blessed me with. Uh, she chose me. <laughs> uh, and I thank God that she, that she did. And that's the grace of God that I have her. And, and the Lord allowed me to be, to be married into a wonderful family where I've got other beautiful sisters that are part of my life and other brothers that are part of my life. And, and God's used them. It, it's been a great life that God's given to me. And the church has allowed me to pastor. My daughter Rachel contacted the, some of the folks out in, in Iowa and they sent, until I know we were retiring, they sent a bunch of cards to her and she passed them along to us the other night, got to, to read through some of those cards. What a great group of people that God allowed us to pastor there. And it wasn't because we, we got mad at them or anything like that that we left, but, but God brought us here. And then what another thing, that great thing God has done in our life, surely goodness and mercy should follow me all the days of my life. I don't, I'm not sure what's going to happen. I hope I get to keep preaching. I hope that'll be an opportunity and keep living for the Lord in that fashion. But you know what? I'm not worried about it. You know why? Because goodness and mercy has followed me all the days of my life now. And you know what? Goodness and mercy is going to follow me into whatever future we have down here for however long it is. And if the Lord takes me out of this world tomorrow, I say, God, it's been a great life. Thank you for the years you've blessed me with. Goodness and mercy should follow me all the days of my life because of the grace of God. I'll tell you whose lives are really messed up. And that's people that don't respond to the grace of God. And they don't experience the goodness and mercy of God through the course of their life because they're fighting against God. What a horrible thing that is. The other neat thing is uh, we get eternal fellowship with God. Psalm 23 and verse 6 says, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. But it doesn't end there. What else does it say? And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Man, I got a great eternity to look forward to. And if you know Christ as Savior, you have a great eternity to look forward to as well. What a thrilling thing that is. The grace of God is, is also to be shared God gives us the privilege to pass the good news along to other people. In fact, that's what Paul's doing when he's writing Ephesians 2 here. Well, when you have really good news, don't you like to pass it along to people? I'll tell you, the best news in the world is, is telling somebody that's on their way to hell how they can get turned around, get forgiven, and be on their way to heaven. That's good news. And we get the privilege to share that good news by God's grace. He doesn't need us. But he gives us the privilege to serve him in that way. Not to get saved, but to show thankfulness because we have been saved. We don't do anything to get something from God. We serve God because of what he's already done for us. And part of it is sharing that wonderful gospel of grace with other people. Good news. What a wonderful thing it is to share with people about grace. Sometimes I've talked to people about their relationship with the Lord. And they said, but you don't understand what I've done. You don't know what I've had in my past. 
you know what? I, I, I have the great joy of sharing with them. I got good news for you. When Jesus died on that cross, he died for every one of your sins. In fact, he died for them past, present, and future. Every one of your sins was future when Jesus died for them. He knew all about them. And I'll tell you what, you look at, you look at people like David, and you look at people like Paul who had been a, a, a blasphemer and persecuted the church, and you look at Peter who denied the Lord even with the curse when the Lord's on trial for his life there. And what happened? They experienced the grace of God. And they, what a, what a great thing that is to be able to share that news with people. Christ died for all, for all men. It's by God's grace that Jesus died for all men. We also share God's grace. Oops, missed a B. That should be a capital B there. Imagine a capital B that, that talks about the fact that we also need to show God's grace. You know, we, we need to be Christ-like. And, and when people hurt us, and when people do things that are wrong to us, we need to be like Christ in forgiving them the way that we have been forgiven. And, you know, that's the best way to live, isn't it? I'll tell you who the most miserable people in the world are. They're people that are going through life with a whole load of bitterness in their heart. We don't have to go through life that way. Well, what do you do? Well, like we learned in, in, in Romans, you, you let the vengeance up to God. Give place to the Lord for that. And we overcome evil with good. Show grace to others. We find also that um, the grace of God is eternally exalting to God. And in verse 7, great statement here, tells us that God's grace to us in this life is going to have effects for all of eternity. It says God has, has done all this through Jesus for us, saving us by his grace, raising us up together and made us sitting in he, in he, together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. In verse 7 says that in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. We're a, a picture of something. And we will be through all of eternity when we see each other when I, when I see uh, Jim Howard in heaven, he's going to be a reminder to me of the grace of God. How did he get in here? Well, the grace of God. And Jim's going to look at me and say, how did he get in here? The grace of God. And, and we're both going to hug each other and say, thank God for his wonderful grace that we get to share all of eternity together. And the angels will marvel at that. But, but it's all a testimony to God's grace. We're mementos, trophies, reminders of the richness of God's grace that he's shown. Wow, what a tremendous thing that is. You know, I was packing up mementos for my office. And every one of those mementos that I looked at reminded me of things. I had a, a pheasant from Bill Graham that I've had hanging on my wall in there. I've had it hanging there for years. And people kept asking me, did you shoot that? Did you shoot that? One day I took a rubber band. And then I could honestly see, yeah, I shot that. <laughs> I had a, a statue of a firefighter that I got from Dan Karate. I have a, a turned vase in there from Jerry Ostrander, wooden vase. That's, that's Diana Thompson's dad. And I could go on with other things in there. But uh, that every time I looked at those, they reminded me 
of someone. And we'll continue to do that as I find a way to display them in the future. But, but we are reminders. We're reminders of God. And we're reminders of God's grace. Because none of us deserve to be in heaven. But, but we will be if we know Christ as Savior. And we're, we can thank God that he who began a good work in us is faithful to complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. God's going to finish his work. We're testimony. We're God's poem. I'm not great on poetry, but, but I appreciate the fact that God really works on us. And we get to be with him for glory. By grace we will live forever with the Lord as his ever grateful people. Heaven's going to be great because it's going to be full of grateful people. It's not a bunch of self-righteous braggarts who are going to be walking around the streets of glory. But it's going to be grateful people. I don't deserve to be here, but here I am. You know, I've thought about that in the ministry. I don't deserve to be here. Somebody, somebody's going to find out. I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> but by the grace of God, here I am. And God's been so good in all that, and I just thank him for it. And I just hope we can walk out of here this morning saying, thank God for his amazing, his amazing grace. Because God does so much. When I'm into the ministry years ago, I didn't, I didn't know if I'd, Make it, a, make it a year, make it at all. I had somebody tell me if I didn't learn to drink coffee, I was never going to make it in the pastorate. <laughs> I still don't drink coffee. Maybe I won't make it. I don't know. <laughs> but uh, the grace of God is an amazing thing. And I love Ephesians 3, verses 20 and 21, where it says, Now to him, and this is my prayer for this day and the days to come, to him, who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, even working through ordinary people, according to the power that works in us. It's the power. It's not my power. It's God's power. And God can use ordinary people, weak vessels, and show his power. And the result of that might be that we should, to him, give the glory in the church by Jesus Christ, by Christ Jesus. That's where we see who God really, in Christ Jesus. Because without Jesus, you don't have grace. He's the demonstration of God's grace. May they be gloried in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations. And we're not just talking about 29 years or 40 years or 100 years. But we're talking about eternity. We're in the eternity business, aren't we? Things that matter for all of eternity. Two things count for eternity. Two things are eternal. The word of God and the souls of people. And the pastor, I get, we get to combine working with those two things. And in ministering in the local church, we get to work in those two areas. Whether it be the, the eternal soul of a little kindergartner in, 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 that we're dealing with, or whether it be moms and dads and grandparents or whatever. But the gist of the whole thing, may all the glory Go to God. He's done exceedingly, abundantly above all that we could ask or think. He will continue to do that in our lives as we begin, continue to follow him and thank him humbly for his grace. Heavenly Father, thank you for who you are. 
Thank you for your love to us. Thank you for your grace, your mercy. We confess we don't understand, Lord, why you would love us so much that you sent your son to that cross so we could be forgiven, so we could share eternity with you. Father, we thank you for this great day today when we celebrate 29 years in the life of this church and we think back of the over 100 years of the life of this church and the many faithful people that have carried forth the, the gospel of grace. May that continue to be the case in the days to come, that we continue to carry forward that gospel of grace. And Lord, if there's anybody here today that's never responded to that grace, who needs to take Christ as Savior today, that's the most important thing that could happen. And I pray they might make sure of their relationship today, they'd make that commitment of faith, responding to your grace. Glorify yourself, Lord, the rest of the service in our lives and the rest of this day to come. We pray in the Savior's name. Amen.